bloody champions. <laughs> uh, we are back for part two. Part two of the investigation into the incident in Westall of nineteen sixty-six. Uh, if you're just tuning into this episode now, please go back and listen to part one so you get the full story. No, about... no, no, no. Listen to this one first. <laughs> this, this, listen to this one, then go back and see if it makes sense. Uh, yeah, and don't write in if it doesn't make sense. No, that's, that's on you. <laughs> that's my I, I don't tell you how you live your life. You know, you, 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 you do it however you want to do it, but don't hold me responsible when it doesn't work out. Uh, so, a quick summary uh, from the last episode. We went through the initial uh, sightings of the UFO um, that came over Westall High in 1966. We went through some uh, personal accounts of some of the students and some of the teachers um, and some of the civilians in the area that had also seen this, um, which I, I think lends a good amount of... Uh, credibility to this story that it's not just it's not only that it's 200 people at a school it's also members of the community yeah yeah um they have been harder to track down people of the community willing to come forward about what they saw but they are there and it helps because it's not just what the kids saw, it's not just what the teachers saw, it's not just what the members of the public saw that are all sort of like individual accounts of something different. They're all describing the exact same thing yeah. and the exact same event. They, their drawings and their pictures that they have done representing what they've seen uh, are, are all very similar. Um, multiple military-style personnel were sighted in the area, different trucks, uniforms, uh, police, media, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I said, go back, listen to the last episode before you jump into this one, and we're going to continue on from where we left off. Realistically, now. this seems to have more credibility than Roswell did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the amount of witnesses and everything like that. Like, I mean, children don't lie. <laughs> this isn't the only story of lots of children witnessing a UFO. Right, right. Uh, there was one that took place... I can't remember the name of the country exactly. It was somewhere in Africa. Okay. Where um, school children witness a UFO come and land down, like, on their oval directly outside... Yep, yep. Uh, some of them had said that they had felt communication with the beings that stepped outside. and This wasn't just the Red Cross arriving. No, this wasn't <laughs> the Red Cross arriving. <laughs> no. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> no, it wasn't the Red Cross just arriving. Um... But look, that is probably another story for another time. But look into it yourself if you want. Um, a lot of the students that saw that happen at that school in Africa uh, were interviewed like 20, 30 years later. Uh-huh. And verbatim, from their first accounts when they gave when they were children, uh, said the same thing of, of what they saw. 
they some of them expressed that it had changed their lives in ways that they still are grappling to understand. Sure. Uh, their worldviews were completely mixed up, but to this day, they know what they saw, and they stand by it. Okay, okay. Uh, and after all that time passing, it is um, really cool to see, like, the continuity. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But, look, let's get back to Westall. Now, two days before the Westall event took place, a man by the name of Ronald Sullivan, who was just a construction contractor at the time, was driving home late at night from work when he witnessed lights emanating from the bushland. Startled and almost slamming into a tree, he took off from the area and made his way home. The way that he, like, actually gives this account... Uh, which it is in the documentary that I've been talking about as well, is, you imagine like a tree line of bushland, you just see like this faint sort of glow coming from it that gets like brighter and brighter and brighter, kind of like when you have headlights approaching you from like a distance away. But this was like, floodlights had just been turned on all of a sudden, not too far away from where he was. Yeah. He doesn't give any descriptions of a craft or a UFO or anything like that, uh-huh. but he had the common sense not to hang around. Sure. And he took off. He did report this incident to the police a couple of days later upon finding out that previous to his experience, on this exact same road, a young man had died in a car crash. Slamming into the tree that he narrowly avoided. Ooh. That death was not reported as any sort of like similar incident that Ronald Sullivan had. Um, but what Ronald, Ronald Sullivan saw, he said, well, you know, maybe this guy saw what I saw. Yeah. Uh, now... Ronald Sullivan says that he did indeed actually have some people come to his house, some military-style personnel, Uh to look around his car, investigate it. They did some checks, and he said to them, look, you know, if you find out anything, let us know. To which he never had anything from it ever again. Why would he? Why would he? Why would he? Now, we do know that these incidents were investigated by multiple let's say, military entities. Yeah. Uh, from all the different uniforms, the different trucks and jeeps that showed up, as well as the police and the Australian media at the time, there were a lot of people that were involved in sort of covering, like, what is going on. It does take some time for military files to be disclosed to the public. Uh, so when... The files of 1966 were made available 16 years after the fact. Keith Basterfield of the Disclosure Project Australia and his fellow investigators requested access to as many documents as they could. Yep. They had like a laundry list of things that they want to know about. And Westall was pretty high up there. Now, they combed through hundreds, if not thousands, of documents from uh, the Royal Australian Air Force, uh, the 
Aviation Air Board. Uh, unit files from military bases, the Department of Civil Aviation, the Air Safety Bureau, the CSIRO, and intelligence files from ACO, and found no record of the Westall incident. Oh, okay, great. So it just wasn't that interesting, obviously. Well, yeah. it it doesn't exist. Yep. It does not exist in... Any sort of governmental body, there either isn't files for it uh-huh. because they have been destroyed or they have remained classified. Now, I have mentioned previously um, on the Men in Black episode that there are UFO files that have been disclosed for Australia. They're yeah. available on the National Archives of Australia website. You can find those yourself if you're interested, um, but definitely go back and listen to the Men in Black episode. Yeah, we can't do everything for you, fuck. Yeah, you know, a little bit of give and take. <laughs> of give and take. <laughs> One of those accounts that made it into the National Archives of Australia was a man who was driving along uh, an empty road by himself when he came upon a translucent-shaped mushroom UFO which was inhabited by cat-like beings. Right. Yes. Um, cool. So, this is something that confuses me a little bit, but also, I think, lends more credibility to the Westall story. Yeah. Because I don't know why it's omitted from those documents to begin with, considering how much evidence we have for this event actually taking place. Yeah. But on the flip side, you have the man seeing the mushroom cat UFOs made it into an official report of <laughs> the National like, Archives. Is that a little bit of uh, deception? Like, uh, you know, give them something outlandishly uh, ridiculous so that, like, they think, oh, like, it's all a bunch of crap? Or... Is it like, is there some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Word for me. Do words. <laughs> Do words for me. Sandwiches. Is there more sandwiches to it? Credibility <laughs> is the word I was looking for, but sandwiches are close second. We're so in sync that we finish each other's... Sandwiches. Exactly. That's what we're about. Professional broadcasting. Yeah, this but... is, uh... A well-run ship. (laughs) Um, But look, to what you were saying, yeah, maybe. I don't see any other reason for it. To have something in there that is a little bit too kooky that takes away from things that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, this... This definitely happened. I will go on record, I'm happy to say that this event, whatever it was, took place. We have multiple people that witnessed it. Yep. It's not made up. Why isn't there any record of it? It's not weird for governments especially at this time to cover things up or destroy evidence yeah but this is 50 years on from this taking place 
and they're still covering up and destroying evidence. And we still don't have any acknowledgement from any government entity yeah. that this took place. And it makes me feel for the people that actually experienced this. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they've now gone their whole lives of having this experience as children with nobody from any government department willing to sort of say, even like, even those willing to say, yeah, that situation happened at the time. Yep. It's not the fact that they haven't given specific details, you know, they're not putting out redacted information, but just say, yeah, the Wessel incident actually took place. Yep, yep. That would probably be more than enough for a lot of these people to get a bit of closure and move on with their lives. Now, there's a man that we're going to talk about by the name of Professor James MacDonald. Uh, he is a senior. He was a senior physicist at the Institute of Atmospheric Physics and professor of meteorology at the University of Arizona in Tucson at the time. Also an avid UFO investigator. Okay. He was kind of like. He's kind of like a Heineck like a counterpart at the time, yep. but not a spin doctor. Okay. He was pretty forward with saying that, look, I believe that these UFO things like may potentially be a threat. There's definitely something going on here that we aren't aware of, and we need to basically figure out what it is. Yep. Instead of saying, oh, I can explain it by swamp gas or a weather balloon or you fucking name it. Honestly, we could have like a uh, like a Lions Club style rotary wheel that would just have four sections of the rotary wheel, and it'd be like swamp gas, weather balloon, mass hysteria, pick something else. <laughs> I'd like to see swamp gas. Like you know, you always hear swamp gas. It's like oh, it's it's creepy. Oh, like it, 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 uh, you see all these wonderful weird things. Yeah, like. We, we need to, let's do an excursion to a swamp and let's just try and find some swamp gas. Find some swamp gas. We can do that. Yeah, we can go for an excursion and try and find some swamp gas. And if it's not a perfect hologram of a UFO, I'm destroying that swamp right well, then and there. I mean, I don't know it, how. It, look, you just let BHP know that there's oil or there's gas <laughs> in the area, and they'll take care of it from there. Don't worry about it. Excuse me, large mining company in Australia. Yeah. There's some very old indigenous ruins over oh, here. Oh, look, we got to get rid of those. Maybe some iron as well. And they'll just come and destroy it yeah, for us. Easy. Actually, yeah, nice. Solid, solid plan. Um, so, sorry, where was I? Um, yeah, um, Professor James McDonald. He came to Australia to investigate the Westall incident. Okay. His records are of, of his investigation are available to read. Um, and look, I haven't gone through them a whole lot. Um, you're just a hack. But one of the interesting things that resulted from Professor McDonald's involvement was he was criticising the government of their handling of UFO investigations, essentially. Yeah. Things like, you're not doing enough to put this out there or you know you're just not giving enough information to the people uh-huh. that, and it doesn't help the people that were involved yeah it's very very critical um 
funnily enough, you know, I think when we talk about legitimate people uh, that are of like a high academic value investigating strange events, it's kind of important to reference some of their other work that's uh-huh. not directly re- related to the high strangeness field. Because anybody seemingly could probably go and get like a doctorate or something like that. Oh yeah, it's just easy. You just walk down to the local doctorate, uh, <laughs> doctorate dispensary. What, what kind of doctorate are you after? You know what I'm saying though? Yeah. It's like, it, it, you can be a smart person, but still not have like rational, uh, like a rational thought process. Yes. Yeah. You can, you can, people change as they grow older and that kind of stuff. So there are people that come up in these kind of investigations who are maybe, yeah, like a PhD or a professor or have like a master's degree in something, mm-hmm. but the weight that, that, that like the, the weight of the value that that carries, I think is more reliant on what else they have done yeah. within the scientific field or whatever field that they're in. Uh-huh that if they're recognised by their relative institution for doing something good, it kind of helps show that, oh, this isn't just a person with a, a master's degree that's looking into UFOs and they've become all consumed with UFOs and they're saying all these sorts of yeah, they, things but don't have any backing to it. They, and, need, they, need, they need professional credibility. Yeah, yeah. And like, I know it seems a little bit silly to say that you know, it's not all that difficult to go and get a doctorate. I definitely don't fucking have one. I mean, I've got three, but... <laughs> but there's millions and millions of people out there. And there's going to be smart people that can go and get those sort of things. But maybe just go down the rabbit hole a little bit too far. And yeah, yeah. lose some credibility to that. Yeah. So, in saying that, uh, Professor James McDonald was actually one of the first people to suggest that high-altitude aeroplanes and aeronautic vehicles would have a negative effect on the ozone layer and lead to increased risks of skin cancer. Okay. Which is something that now in 2021 we know to be absolutely true. Uh Uh-huh. And he was kind of dismissed um, when he was like trying to bring up this research and... That kind of stuff. So, what year was this? Uh, this was. I oh, sorry, I do have it here. Nineteen sixty-eight. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so only two years after the Westall incident. Yeah. But he, that's all. Like what he was saying. He's like, you know, these things are going to be a problem for us if we don't fix some of the fundamental ways that our aeronautic vehicles operate. Uh huh. And this, it's going to lead to this some problems. This is the Exxon Mobil. Bullshit all over again. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. So. Now, Professor James McDonald, um, he was actually invited to go and speak at the US Congress uh, on his findings that we just spoke about on yeah. uh, the effects of planes on the ozone and destroying that and. and Increasing skin cancer rates. During his presentation, a member of Congress piped up and decided to start referencing his, I guess, 
hobby of investigating UFOs. Right. He was dragged through the dirt. Uh-huh, he uh-huh. was accused of believing in little green men and lights in the sky and that he can't possibly be a credible person to yep. listen to because of his belief in these things that weren't provable. And like this was like pretty clearly a political move by this guy. Yeah, to be like, it's... it's uh, what's, uh, what's the word? It's like... Uh... Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Like um, it's it's sabotaging his cre- or like yeah, sabotaging his credibility. Like taking away, like yeah, ruining his profession basically on the grounds that he's got some other interests. Yeah, which was not related to what he was yeah, at Congress yeah. for whatsoever. Now, unfortunately, due to this ridicule. ridicule this did ultimately destroy his reputation. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe he um, lost his tender at the university. Um, people weren't taking him seriously about his actual research. Uh-huh. And very sadly, um, disheveled and broken from losing what he'd worked so long and hard to be known for, he took his own life in 1971. Okay, yeah. Everything that he had was taken away from him because of this one thing. Yeah. And I find that incredibly sad, especially because of the things that he was actually trying to warn us about, Uh which have been such a big impact on life as we know it now. Yeah. That's kind of where his involvement ends. Um, But yeah, I think it's important to sort of say... This well-respected man at the time who was very far ahead thinking in his field took the time to come and say, well, I want to try and find out what happened. Yeah. Which doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. Not from an an individual, I guess. It's usually military shows up. Yeah, yeah. An extension of the military shows up. Yeah. Someone's taking their own initiative. Someone's taking their initiative to actually come in and check this out. Uh-huh. And sadly, um, didn't go too well for him. Yeah. Uh, but he's a very interesting fellow. He did some reading. I recommend uh, checking him out. Cool guy. We have covered a fair bit so far. And like I said, there is a lot more to this case. I recommend that people go and have like a little bit of a look. Um, do their own research if you feel so inclined to check it out because there's no way that I would have been able to cover everything in here. I've picked bits that I didn't already know about, uh-huh. um, but there's just this great stuff about this. It goes so goddamn deep. It's Australia's biggest UFO sighting to date, and just as a cover of a little bit of a summary to what we have gone over, um, you know, we've got 200 plus students and teachers witnessing this event, members of the community that not only saw it, but in some cases directly interacted with it. Uh, We had one student that was taken away by an ambulance that was never seen again. Evidence had been confiscated. Multiple military-esque vehicles and personnel, and some of them even fitting men in black descriptions were involved. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, we think about the non-military like military looking but blue suit yeah yeah guys that were taking these cameras away um 
ring very true to multiple Men in Black experiences that have been documented before. Again, go check out that episode. Um, yeah, check it out because I'm in it, and yeah. that's, that's probably the biggest draw. And, look, there's a genuine campaign that took place to keep people and the media silent. And most frustrating of all is that any official record of this ever taking place either doesn't exist or is tied up in classification so much that it will never actually see the light of day. This is my favourite UFO story, mostly because it takes place in Australia, and I find that a lot of the Australian cases don't get as much airtime as the American stuff, so I'm going to try and spend a little bit more time doing particular Australian cases. Um, but again, if you anybody wants to email in to add to the barrel at gmail.com and you have a case specific to your area that you'd like to hear more about or hear us talk about, then send it through because the big ones have been told over and over and over again, but it's the little ones that have some more of the interesting details. Yeah, for sure. This one's cool. It is a big one, but... Like I said, I love it, and I'm still finding out new stuff about it the more I've looked into it. Definitely, definitely. As much as I enjoy all of this, I can't help but feel bad for the people that were involved, as to this day they have had zero recognition or closure of what they experienced on that day in April 1966. I do genuinely hope at some point that there is an official statement, at least, acknowledging that this happened. Uh... And it'll come out, and the people that were involved will have some relief that their story can be taken seriously on a government level. Now, thankfully, this story is far from over. As recently as the 30th of May in 2021, Seven News did a piece on the 50th anniversary event. Okay. Yeah, it just came out this year. Righto, okay. It was the first interview with Andrew Greenwood. Oh. He has never gone on record before. In 50 years, he has never spoken to anybody, including Shane Ryan. Uh-huh. He, he, sorry, uh, he spoke to Shane Ryan privately, but refused to go on the public record uh-huh. uh, in the Westall documentary. But he, 50 years later, he was happy to go on the record for Channel 7. Right. Don't know how that logic works, but... I think the last place I want to go on is Channel 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> imagine, like, Tracy Grimshaw presenting this and be like... Who... Is it Channel 7? Uh, channel 9? A, a current affair? Is that Channel 7? I thought it was Channel 9. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch... I don't watch TV. But me either. But I, I imagine that all these, like, news things are more or less the same. They're kind of like some gotcha journalism. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I do like to just... Imagine in my head Tracy Grimshaw being like, intergalactic hoons come down through <laughs> <laughs> Dodgy nuclear technology harassing old folks. <laughs> just all that kind of shit. <clears throat> but go find it. Just type in on YouTube, uh, 7 News, Westall. So Andrew Greenwood did speak out uh, during this news interview. And he recounted being intimidated by defense-looking officials in blue and black suits, um, but void of any actual military 
identification at least as far as like badges and things yeah like yeah. A, a, you know just plain plain suits essentially um now he was told by these men that if he spoke about out about what he witnessed clearly you were drunk on duty and that will have to be reported to the edu- education department and you will lose your job oh great great some more uh, career espionage pretty much cool that's Good and fun. So he kept quiet. Um, but him actually coming forward is great, especially this far on. Uh, and it shows that this story is still progressing. Yep. And hopefully will. If we get any updates or anything that come out and about, then I will 100% uh, try and touch on it again, maybe at the end of another episode or like a little short quip or an update. Um Otherwise, that's what I've got. Cool. Well, thank you for that. Uh, that really, actually interesting. Um, had no idea this really existed. Uh, I remember when I was, like, young, uh, over here on a holiday, and we were, like, watching the news with my nan, and we were go- like, they were going on about some kind of UFO-y kind of thing mm-hmm. at the time. Um, I have no idea how long ago that was. Like, I would have been a kid. Um and I just remember saying to my nan, oh, that's not real, is it? And she's like, oh, isn't it? And then just kept going about her day, like, doing the ironing and stuff. And that's kind of always stuck with me. Right. Right, <laughs> interesting. Which, yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, so, like, maybe there isn't, there, like, really is some credibility to this sort of thing. Yeah, and there's an interesting dynamic there with children and adults witnessing interacting or even just talking about this type of phenomenon yeah yeah um when i was quite young i think i would have been probably seven or eight years old as well Uh i was at a new year's eve party um with family friends uh down on the east coast of tasmania sometime during the night i don't really remember i was sitting there drawing just like some pictures while the adults you know drank their champagne and brought in the new year and all that kind of stuff when all of a sudden i kind of noticed that all of the adults were like standing like at the window so um imagine like you know complete big glass doors that Um, lead out onto a deck that look over the ocean yeah yeah all the adults were standing like at the glass doors and i remember like walking up to someone like oh like what's what's happening and they're all sort of just not silent but they're all very intrigued in something and so like i looked out over the water as well um what i remember seeing was a cylindrical shaped object oh okay that had different colored lights on its side uh-huh. it was you know a hundred couple hundred meters above the water not yep. heaps though it didn't make any sound as it went past um there wasn't a tail attached to it or anything it didn't look like a normal airplane yeah, yeah. um but it kind of just like silently traversed the the coast and went off into the distance uh-huh. um one of the men who was hosting the party at the time very very good family friend and somebody that i trust implicitly Uh 
worked for the Navy for a long time, and oh, yeah. I asked him, I said, what was that? And it was kind of nice because I wasn't treated as a child in this moment, but he knelt down and he said to me, I've seen a lot of things in the Navy and a lot of aircraft. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Years later, I actually brought this up with my dad. Uh-huh. Um, I had like a little bit of a discussion with him about it. He corroborated the story that I just told you um, that was very similar. Uh, that he and everybody else saw a very similar thing. Uh, and also disclosed that allegedly we weren't the only people to see this. Yeah, wow. From the top northeastern coast of Tasmania all the way down to Hobart, uh-huh. that night there were multiple call-ins to police and the SES and all that kind of stuff yeah. reporting this cylinder in the sky with flashing lights traversing down the east coast of Tassie. Uh-huh. Now, it's been a long time since that happened, but I attribute that as to probably the main thing that really kicked off my interest in these sort of topics. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying it's an alien. I'm uh-huh. not saying it's a UFO. I don't fucking know, but it was weird. Yeah, yeah. And it was very, very cool. Why do people feel the need to call the police in those sorts of instances? Like, what is the police going to do? <laughs> like, I, I don't... I, I've never understood that. Like, you, you, you always hear about, like, oh, yeah, like, all these police reports and stuff about, like, UFOs and stuff. It's like, cool. What are they going to do about it if, if like alien ship does come down and starts like <laughs> destroying all humans it's like well yep well, all the police just line up they've all got their notepads and they're just writing down yeah, what's yeah. going on not doing anything in yeah, particular course, course. and I mean I guess that's maybe why documentation yeah or is it a case of like um uh, looking to authority to, for, for answers, for answers yeah. or support who else do you call yeah oh Ghostbusters? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not for aliens. Uh, Are there alien busters? I don't even know the number for Ghostbusters, do you? No, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't actually. <laughs> You'll have to add these on speed dial for sure. <laughs> but yeah, look, I, I mean, I guess it's... Uh, and look, because people did call the police or whomever, word travelled around and I got to hear about... yeah. Other people that experience it. So, for the very least, for, like, official documentation. And, I mean, as we've, we've just learnt from the Westall story, um, official documentation doesn't always make it yeah. anywhere yep. at all, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of how many people there are. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, man. Um, I hadn't actually planned to tell my own little story well, on this podcast go. for a while. Um, I do eventually want to do an episode where we're just going to have personal stories. Yeah. Um, which I think would be fun. But, yeah. That's Westall. Oh, thank you for that. And, um, guys, don't forget to share these, this uh, podcast around because Mitch is putting in some real hard yards to get all this uh, up and running. 
um, and just getting the word out there, even to one person, uh, could make a massive difference to uh, the listenership um, and getting to enjoy the things that he's putting together. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I had like a, we've had a great response in the last couple of weeks about new people joining in yeah. um, and wanting to check it out. And it's been absolutely so enjoyable just to see some of the people that are coming across. Uh-huh. You know, uh, we've got people from Canada, Ireland, Brazil, the US, the UK that are all tuning in. And one person really does make a difference and it pushes me to want to do more and make this better. Yeah. Um, particularly in terms of production quality. So yes. I'm hoping everything that goes well, this is going to be the last episode that is going to be recorded off my phone. <laughs> We're going to have some better, some better equipment coming in, uh, some better audio quality. I actually have um, a very dear friend who is going to be writing some original music uh, for the intro of this podcast Ooh, as well. Okay. Yeah. Who's writing that? Uh, I'll tell you about it later. Okay, I, I, okay. I will link to his stuff once it comes through, but uh, and we'll put his uh, details and stuff up on SoundCloud as yep. well. But hey, official theme song, intro music. Cool. Again, uh, we have the bottom ot barrel at Instagram.com. Please go and follow there. I'm trying to post somewhat regularly uh about what we're doing what stories we're covering when things are coming out if you're not subscribed to follow us on your various podcast apps and again please if you have anything that you want to tell us send us an email at add to the barrel at gmail.com i will aim to check that semi-regularly but even if you just want to Send something in, a thank you, uh, a suggestion, hate mail. Dick pics. Dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything. And if you do, um, we'll give you a little shout out on the podcast as well. Um, so, again, thanks for tuning in to the bottom of the barrel. This has been part two of Westall. I didn't expect this to turn into a two-parter episode, but there's just so much so much stuff here to be looked into and you guys get uh, a bonus at content like yeah what are, what are you complaining so... about stop complaining <laughs> <laughs> all right uh thanks a bunch everybody stay weird and take care bye